This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Welcome to Beyond the Arc. We're previewing the NBA Finals and talking NBA Draft later in the show. I'm here today with the Ringers, Tate Frazier. Tate, how you doing, man? We're here. I, I'm doing great. I mean, we're in uh, we're in Bill's office right now. We're setting up. It feels like it really is like you know, inside the NBA is done. It's finally the NBA Finals. <laughs> we get we can all talk about. It. It's gonna be oh, great. Oh man, I, I'm so excited, man. We get the Nuggets in the Miami Heat, the eight seed Heat, uh, upset their way to the NBA Finals, beating the one seeded Bucks in the first round. The two seeded Celtics in the East Finals taking seven games there and the Nuggets have kind of rolled you know they went six with the Suns uh, they lost a the game versus the Timberwolves as well but the Nuggets look like the dominant team in the Western Conference the one seed that people doubted and now we're at a point here to eight you know potentially the first eight seed to win the NBA Finals ever uh, we have not seen that ever in NBA history but is this where Miami's road ends against this tough one seed Denver Nuggets team I will say this to, to pull a Lee Corso, not so fast. Ooh. I uh, I think a lot of people <laughs> have already kind of predetermined that Denver is going to win the NBA championship, and rightfully so. They have the best player in the series. They have Nikola Jokic. He can change the dynamic of any game. He can control the pace of any game. I think uh, you know with his ability to create for others, create for himself. He's kind of we talked about how non-traditional he is. I still think he is traditional in the sense that if you put someone smaller on him, he will take them down to the post and then get the bucket. Right, which is very old school playoff. This is the matchup. I will hammer this matchup until you make an adjustment, which is going to be fun to watch. The only concern I have about the Nuggets kind of hoopla is that Pat Riley is on the other side. And when you talk about experience in the finals and you talk about the ability to have seen everything, quote unquote, I think Pat Riley, Eric Spolstra, they've seen a lot. And uh, that experience is what kind of scares me about saying that it's definitive Denver is going to handle business. Sure. I mean, I think with Michael Maloney, he's a very good coach. Um, but this is an opportunity here for Spolstra to really stamp his status along with that right. entire, you know, Miami brass with Riley and Morning and everybody that they have. Haslam. Yeah. He said he is Miami Heat culture. <laughs> he did. It's his last dance. <laughs> exactly. I'm ready so. for the doc. I hope that we get one of those tweets that like camera crews have been following Udonis Haslam <laughs> all season long. Like LeBron. With yeah. Two right. cameramen <laughs> everywhere, right? Yeah, yeah, Haslam course. deserves that. I think you're onto something there, though, Tate, because with Miami, we know this roster 
They're tough. They're gritty. They have a bunch of grinders on that team, led by Butler and Bam Adebayo and now Caleb Martin. But up and down the roster, their entire rotation is filled with guys like that. And Spo knows how to position these players, how to succeed. And I think for Denver, this side of things here, the Heat this season, they scored 1.13 points per dribble handoff. We see them do that a lot with Duncan Robinson, Max Struess. If they can get Tyler Hero back from his hand injury, he could be integral in these plays as well. That's their third best mark of the entire season behind what they did against Utah and Houston, two non-playoff teams. They shredded Denver. Mm. With dribble handoffs, pulling out those Nuggets defender to the perimeter, trying to pull Jokic out of the paint, that was effective for them. So I think you're going to see a lot of that in the series, maybe more than we've seen throughout the entire postseason with Robinson and Struess and if Hero can return. And then also Jimmy Butler as a screener, maybe even in some of those dribble handoff actions. Butler as a screener against Denver this year scored 24 points in 17 total plays. That's a highly efficient number for that Heat offense. The goal of four switches, gain matchup advantages. If Miami's going to win this series, it's going to be because of those tactical adjustments that we see Spolstra make throughout the course of the series. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing that I noticed in the Celtics series, the one thing that really bothered Jimmy Butler, especially in 4, 5, and 6, was Robert Williams and rim protection. And I think, you know, I've seen a lot of people talk about the Nuggets and where is that rim protection coming from. Obviously, it's kind of done by committee. Aaron Gordon kind of gets credit for that. Jokic does a good job, especially one-on-one with Biggs. He did a good job with Anthony Davis. But I wonder if they are able to use those dribble handoffs, bring out Gordon, bring out Jokic, and they don't have that elite rim protection behind them, does that make them vulnerable? Does that open things up for Miami? And Miami's a physical team, KOC, so they're going to set hard screens. They're going to pick up full court. And even there were some times where the Lakers, I thought some of the best stuff they did was with Schroeder picking up Jamal Murray full court, but then he would give the ball to Jokic and let him bring it up kind of, you know, it was freehand. They might press Jokic. They might get up in his grill when he's bringing the ball up the court. So I think there's going to be a lot of little nuance with the Miami Heat, and they're just going to test some things early, especially in game one. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I think you're right about that. Even Bam Adebayo in those, mm-hmm. some of those situations. If they, yeah. can, if, they can, if they can pull Denver out with some pressure in those dribble handoffs where they send two with the shooters, Bam is going to be on that short roll with you know a man advantage. Bam struggled offensively to end the series against the Celtics, but he began it really well. We saw more of that aggressive out of bio that Heat fans have like wanted the entire season, and then it t- it, t- it fell off a little bit towards the end. But if they can get that aggressive out of bio in this series against the Nuggets, I think that's something that could give them an advantage here, though. But you mentioned it, though. That size advantage that the Nuggets have. You look at their roster. Jokic, 7 feet to Bam, 6'9". Michael Porter Jr., 6'10", to Caleb Martin, 6'5". Mm. Jamal Murray, 6'4", to Gabe Vincent, 6'3", and has some weight on him as well. Right. Aaron Gordon, great length, a sturdy frame, defending Jimmy Butler. Up and down the roster, position by position, the Nuggets are just a bigger team. How much of an advantage do you think that could be for the Denver side of things in this series when you just look at the pure size of the players on the court? Well, I thought that was Boston's biggest advantage. They didn't use it, especially on the offensive end. They did not go inside. They decided just to shoot threes that were semi-contested. It was very frustrating to watch. I mean, that's why Barkley was like, I can't watch this boneheaded team play anymore (laughs) because they have the size to go pound them inside. I think the Nuggets had the discipline to use 
use their size uh, as an advantage. But the interesting part is, you know, Jimmy with his first step, not the not the quickest first step in the world. He's not Michael Jordan, but he has a quick first step. And I think Aaron Gordon versus Jimmy Butler, that matchup, and if he's able to pull Aaron Gordon out and then use that first step, get by him, and then when he gets to the basket, use that pump fake, use that little fadeaway that we saw over Robert Williams late in Game 7, right? Use some of those moves that he kind of matured throughout the series against Aaron Gordon. That will help. But when Tatum to start decided to guard Jimmy Butler, he gave him problems. Why did he give him problems? Because of his length. So Aaron Gordon should, in theory, give him those same issues with his size. I just wonder if Jimmy can use his speed to get by him. Yeah, for sure. And that's why Miami is going to have to emphasize so much of getting some of those matchup advantages via switch, having Butler defended by Jamal Murray instead. And what does yeah. Miami do, too, right? They hunt mismatches. Yeah. That's kind of what the, the whole MO of their offense is like we run through Jimmy, Jimmy gets the mismatch that he wants, then he makes the decision. And then if we have our guys shooting the ball well, whether it be Strews, Duncan Robinson, Caleb Martin, then we're going to feel pretty good about where we stand. And and that's kind of the the back and forth right in this series. For sure. And Denver's going to do the same thing, though. You know, <laughs> yeah, with, with Jokic, the best offensive player in basketball, he stole the best player in the world title this season from Giannis Antetokounmpo. Right now, he is the best player in the world, and that's because of, you know, he's a solid defender, but he is just an unstoppable offensive presence. He can shoot threes. We see those crazy step backs against the Lakers. It's unbelievable. He has the the mid-range game. He can facilitate. He can run, pick, and roll. He can back guys down from the low post. He can score (laughs) in every single way possible and he does that without really leaving the ground when he jumps yeah and, and he <laughs> looks like uh you know i i was my dad and uh, bj armstrong they both had pointed out that Jokic is like we there he's arvita sabonis but like young arvita sabonis and i started watching some of the highlights when he was playing for the ussr and it is kind of eerily similar especially the way that they pass the ball and the mm. way they have this vision so i just think that Jokic is so unique in that way and he's still 28 years old that we're seeing the best of him and he is going to probably go down as the best passing big man of all time so that is threat number one but then like you said when he's hitting step backs like he's Dirk Nowitzki you're kind of you trying to throw your hands up and say what do we do with this guy it's unstoppable I mean and then he's also got the supporting pieces around him the, yeah. the Nuggets front office over the years going back to when Tim Colney was the GM and now Calvin Booth running that team they've added you know an Aaron Gordon a defensive presence who helped helps him and he's going to defend Jimmy Butler a lot but also a smart cutter a great yeah. passer Jamal Murray blossom and a lob threat, too. Yes, someone exactly like Jokic is throwing the ball up to him a lot. KCP, Bruce Brown, these guys who cut Michael Porter Jr. comes into the league as a oh, he's a score first guy. Oh, well, now he's grabbing 10 rebounds per game. He's competing hard on defense. He's cutting to the basket. And that two man game between Murray and Jokic is what creates so many of those A open catch-and-shoot opportunities behind the arc because of how it really mixes the defense, you know, shakes them up like a snow globe, but also creates those cutting lanes because Jokic and or Murray is drawing the gaze of a second or sometimes a third defender. That's where KCP back cuts to the rim. That's where Bruce Brown is able to cut back door to the rim, and Jokic always finds him or Murray can. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. 
See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. In this series, it's going to be interesting with different you know, success rates at the rim. Denver had the NBA's best field goal percentage inside of eight feet this entire regular season. Miami allowed the fewest shots inside of eight feet, but they allowed the worst, second worst field goal percentage inside of eight feet. So Miami has done a good job deterring interior shots, forcing mid-range jumpers, Denver dominates inside eight feet. I think this is going to be an interesting series where you see Miami continue to try to prevent those interior chances, forcing Denver into more mid-range stuff. But that just means more Jokic there. Mm -hmm. That means more Jamal Murray there. And it's not like Denver can't thrive from that area. They did all season. And that's where... I think for Miami, Boston had a more predictable offense. You knew what was coming with a lot of the time with them. More driving kick. Missoula wasn't making a ton of adjustments besides some of the slip screens at the top of the paint. Uh, you had in the first round with the Milwaukee Bucks, granted Giannis missed some time and was limited. Their offense just felt a bit more predictable. They didn't make many adjustments throughout the series. We didn't see Giannis as a screener at all. Miami felt like they had a game plan. This series against Denver, there's just like such a long list of things that Jokic empowers them to do. I just struggle to figure out where is Miami going to be able to figure things out and just completely stop them in the half court. They can't even pull the zone, Tate, because Jokic is a zone buster. I was going to say, I mean, the other thing about Jokic, I think, is one of his greatest skills and one of his greatest knacks offensively is that there's no predetermination. I think that a lot of times Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, they're very, they predetermine what move they're going to do, if they're going to take a shot on this possession, are they going to take a step back? And then you saw in game seven, right, Duncan Robinson sees Jalen Brown and he's like, oh step back three I block his shot first block of the season you know what I mean but it's because it was predetermined and he finally was like I've seen this enough to to know this is what he's gonna do he telegraphed yep. it right Jokic does not predetermine anything in fact he literally is the definition of you show me this I do this yep. it is and it is and it happens in real time it feels very slow because he moves very slow but it happens so <laughs> fastly or so quickly I should say that that it kind of breaks your brain sometimes and if you're playing a defense like Miami where you mix up a lot of different coverages you decide to double you know the 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 dribble or you or you decide to go single they they mix coverages a lot but sometimes when you're doing that and he continues to read it, Mike make the right play. It almost it hurts your confidence because you're like, wow, we keep trying to throw different stuff at him, and he just won't be. We're phased. doing everything right. Right, we're executing the game. It's plan. not predetermined. Yes, it's that's what Jokic is. He's an improv- improvisational master on the court. Right, like it just doesn't matter what you do to him, and that's going to be the tough thing for the Heat here. And I think you can also look at this season. Jokic is two and zero against the Miami Heat. Last season, they were two and zero against the Miami Heat. The season before that. They were 2-0 against the Miami Heat. The, the last time that the Heat beat the Nuggets was August 1st, 2020. Wow. In the bubble. That's <laughs> wow. the last time. So <laughs> it's I, a long time ago. It's a long time ago. It's a different world. Right, literally. <laughs> Jokic has dominated 
a lot of those games. He has dominated Bam Adebayo. Um, granted, those are regular season games. There's not game planning, pro personnel scouting, advanced scouting going into it like the Heat have inevitably been doing the past week. But they had a 3-0 lead. They were definitely mm-hmm. looking ahead to the Nuggets in the finals. It's a different circumstance. All of those rosters were different, even this season. Like, Kankar is getting minutes for the Nuggets. You know, end-of-bench guys are playing for the Heat. You can't look at it exactly, but that is a large sample of the Nuggets just absolutely dominating the Heat. And there's some history here. We remember, obviously, the Morris shove with Jokic and then Jimmy Butler kind of getting the mix. I mean, there is – I don't think there's any love lost. I think we're going to get some cutaways to the Jokic brothers in the crowd. I'm sure they're going to be saying (laughs) things to the Miami Heat fans. I mean, I like that there's some sort of like – it feels very like 90s NBA, right, where it just feels Mm -hmm. like there's just – there's no love lost between these teams. They don't like each other. Maybe they'll be respectful. Maybe they'll say nice things about each other in the media as we're all pro to do, but inevitably when they get on the court, the Miami Heat are going to feel some type of way about Jokic. I mean, he knocked a guy out for one of their important pieces for the entire season. You don't think Pat Riley remembers that? You don't think Jimmy Butler remembers that? They do, mm-hmm. and they're going to act accordingly, I believe. Uh, there, there's a funny moment on the podium of the East Finals. Uh, Bam Adebayo says Spolster showed them like a, a movie, a 15-minute movie or something like that, and Spo like, is standing at the podium like, don't look at me. Mm-hmm. I don't want to talk about it. And Ernie Johnson asked him about him afterwards, and Spolstra, like the seasoned veteran coach he is, just completely pivoted away from it said oh we'll talk about the players they win this game but the heat are going to use everything to that point tate everything they can to their advantage to motivate themselves and create an edge for themselves and jimmy butler didn't want to touch the trophy said i'll wait till the next one didn't even wear the shirt in the locker room after the game the east eastern conference champion shirt because they're aiming for something better are you picking the nuggets on the series though despite all that I, I've been going back and forth on this. I feel like uh, it, it's a, it's kind of foolish not to like the Nuggets in this series because they have the best player. I think he was the MVP this season. He's obviously been the, the MVP of the playoffs so far. He's dominated. But there's something in my mind. I remember the, the Heat started the season 2-5. and five. And I know a lot of people talk about the Lakers and how they started the year, but the, they started two and five and Jimmy Butler said they're going to win the championship. <laughs> and Jimmy Butler also went to Drew Holiday down six and said, I own you. And Jimmy Butler has said a lot of things and you're like, I can't believe this guy is saying this. There's no way he's going to be able to cash that check, but he continues to cash it KOC. Mm-hmm. And I think that is, I can't get it out of my mind. Um, I can't really think about anything else other than the fact that I think the Miami Heat might win the NBA championship. And uh, they've been here before. They have the experience. I think they have the better head coach. I'm not sure they had the they have the better player, but I think Jimmy is a 1B to a 1A. And maybe this is a, a lesson learned for Denver. So I'm going to I'm gonna go uh, the other way with this. And Whoa. I think the Miami Heat win this in six. <laughs> I love it. I'm going to go Nuggets in six. That's probably the I, right I, thing. I just, I just want to – we got to argue it, there's right? There's something yeah. – there's something inside. Like there's a gut feeling with Miami where the logical side of you is saying Denver for all of these reasons we're talking about the emotional side. Truthfully, the emotional side for both of these guys, Jokic is either going to like rise up the all-time rankings and shut everybody up that's been trashing him as like a fake MVP and all that. Miami, Jimmy Butler is the easiest guy to root for in the league. He's a Juco guy. You know, going to junior college, transfers to Marquette. He's, he's a, literally he, a Disney movie. Yes, yeah. 100%. I mean, Kind of like is. Giannis was. Where, when Giannis yes. was there in 2021, it was like, what is this story? Oh, my goodness. You know what I mean? Disney happening. ended up making a movie about yep, it. Yeah. Absolutely. And Jimmy Butler is in his own way as well. And he's such a lovable character in the league. I uh, called him America's sweetheart. He's kind of like <laughs> Meg Ryan. 
Why does everyone love Jimmy Butler? I don't know. I do. And one of those guys is going to be hoisting uh, the NBA Larry O'Brien trophy. You hoisted it not too long Uh, ago. Yes, yes. It was here at the Ringer offices. It (laughs) was pretty heavy. They say it weighs 30 pounds. I'm told by them it weighs 40. Mm. I don't know what the truth is there. It's a heavy trophy. Um, It's a beautiful trophy. One of these teams will be hoisting it soon. I'm going Nuggets in six. You're going Heat in six. Let's say Heat and seven. I love it. I like Heat and seven. I want seven. Yeah, let's go seven. I I want seven. Let's go seven. Tate, uh, we'll be back after the break talking about the NBA draft with J. Kyle Mann. That's coming up in a couple weeks, too. A lot of teams to talk about. A lot going on on the NBA. We'll be back. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, View its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Welcome back to Beyond the Arc. We're going to be talking about the NBA draft right now, focusing on playoff-ready prospects, the type of guys that could come in as rookies, maybe second-year guys, and that could contribute in a playoff setting, which means we're focusing on older guys. So the way we're going to do this is I'm going to build a team. Five-man front roster, two guards, two forwards, one center. It's positionless basketball these days. So starting off with my center, it's a six-foot-eight guy. Mm. Trace Jackson Davis, he was definitely a big, heavy post-up guy as a senior this year for Indiana. But in the NBA, I, I think he's going to be one of those guys who's a versatile, switchable big rolling down the basket, catching lobs. He's 22 years old, going to be someone who comes in right away doing that. Forwards, Kobe Jones out of Xavier, 21 years old, versatile piece, 38% from three, good defender, connective piece as a passer. Chris Murray, brother of Sacramento Kings, Keegan Murray, I think very the similar. The best rookie in the playoffs this yes. year. Yeah. Absolutely, and similar type of player. They're a little different. Um, but Chris Murray, only 33.5% from three. You hope that number improves in the NBA, especially in spot-ups. But 28, 20 points per game, versatile on defense, a lot to like there. Jame Jaquez, mm. 22 years old out of UCLA, 18 points per game, eight rebounds. Dude's a hustler. He just makes the right play all the time. Uh, I think an NBA coach is going to give him minutes right away. I mean, the one guy who isn't yet of legal drinking age of these five is Cason Wallace. Your guy, Kyle, from Kentucky, 12 points per game this season, 4.3 assists, 34.6% from three, two steals per game. He is like compared to Drew Holiday as a defensive menace. He had eight steals in a game earlier this season. Cason Wallace, he's the only young guy on here, but... I feel like he's somebody who's going to contribute right away, Kyle. Oh, yeah. I think he'll be able to stay on the floor because he's not going to necessarily need the ball on the, all the time. I love guys like that, but they can still give you good decisions uh, in the time that they do something when you have it. You know, that's kind of the big thing. And his his metrics, if you go, I like to look for, like, uh, you know, efficiency in the pick and roll when the defense commits to you. How how efficient are you at, like, hitting shots and making good decisions? And then how quickly are you, is your touch time able to be able to be productive? And I think, you know, he didn't measure as big as we hoped without shooting. I think six he was like two. six two and a half yeah. wingspan, not crazy, but I think he's a smart player, and I think he's somebody that you could put next to a star, and he'll give you like low waste minutes and, and give you a lot. And he seems like a guy that can fit in where he gets in, you know, which I, I like that a lot about Kaysen. I liked how once he got more onus and ownership of the offense, you could see him kind of starting to 
to be that guy that you expect him to be at UK. So that's encouraging. Another guy you mentioned, Chris Murray. You have him on your draft board here going to the Kings. I love the idea of the Kings having both the Murrays. <laughs> and so dude, being able to unleash You're all about the this playoffs. Twins thing, right? Yeah, I mean, let's get it going. Let's make it happen. So when you talk about playoff-ready guys, you already saw Keegan Murray. He was averaging, what, 27 minutes a game in the playoffs. There's, a rookie, there's no rookie even close to that. Christian Brown's playing right now for the Nuggets, but I think Chris Murray would be great. And to have Keegan be right-handed, crispy, left-handed, throws you off. Teams are like, who, which Murray is this, right? What's the, yeah, I don't, a lot of gamesmanship going on. Kind of clouds the scouting report. Yeah. You're like, which is this yeah. guy? I'm not sure. Yeah. I know. Look at the bench and then they're cutting behind you. Yeah. And then you get back cut. Yeah. They're, they're I like switching it. jerseys mid game. Right. Right. I like <laughs> it. Specifically, if you got Sabonis on your team, I think that's a decent strategy. Get yeah. them thinking about something. Yeah. Boom, back cut. You start like yeah. a little Disney reality show, Brother, Brother, based off Sister, Sister. I mean, this is all good stuff. We You're can just do a it. fountain of good ideas. <laughs> I mean, this is good, good content idea for the Kings. They, Thank they, you. they should just trade up to be safe. Right. Just to get him, right? Just for the content. Yeah. I don't think anybody's <laughs> ever done that. But yeah. I, I mean, Chris Murray will be really, really fun on the Kings or any team. It'd be great to see him. Kobe Jones, Jame Hawkes, Tate, with these types of guys, do you see them, you know, based off their success in college, being those types of players who they're maybe late first, early second round picks, but they come in right away and have something to offer an NBA team. Yeah, Jame's biggest concern is his ankles. Um, you know, he has the ankle braces on. He had some moments in his career where we thought the ankles were going to hold him back. But I remember Steph Curry's ankles and everyone said that, you know, the How reason Nike, yeah, right, Nike didn't want to sign him and the Golden State Warriors wanted to give him this kind of <laughs> like budgeted contract because of his ankles. So I'm okay with Jame Jaquez and his ankles. I love the way that he plays the game. He's a very grounded athlete. Um, I think he's one of those guys that I compare him to Jimmy Butler. Um, he just makes winning plays. He can get the ball late in the shot clock and make the right decision. And if you need him to go win you a game, I think he has the potential to do that. He might not be a 1A option right in the NBA, but if he's your third, fourth option, he's a very reliable option. And he's a guy that's not going to take you out of a game, right? He's going to make smart decisions. And defensively, he can match up on the perimeter with anyone. Colby Jones is pretty similar in that sense, right? You know, those types of qualities, Kyle? Yeah, yeah, I think. And a lot of the guys we're talking about, you know, for, for the short term, we're probably talking about later in the first round, teams that are like, okay, we need somebody that we're not waiting for this this cake to bake long term. Mm-hmm. And I think Colby Jones is one of those. Like he's going to come in. He can give you a little bit of like second side, secondary creations. He he catches it off the wing. And we've seen that run, you know, defenses that can't have that can't run deep into the shot clock and continue to hit shots or drive a closeout and just keep their their thing moving. Like the Knicks, big example of that. They would hit these walls just because they had these guys that couldn't make those decisions. Uh, and we saw where like quickly and Grimes being out hurt them. These are the types of players. I think Colby Jones kind of fits that mold. He can hit, he's a decent dribble pull-up shooter in the pick and roll. He's got a little bit of mid- middle game. I love guys that have middle game. <laughs> um, he's he's just one of those types. Yeah, mm. all of these guys, Casein Wallace, Jaime Jaquez, Colby Jones, Chris Murray. I feel like an NBA team is going to ask them to be the same guy that we saw in college. Trace Jackson Davis is the one on this list where he's leading the country in post ups. That's not going to be his game in the NBA. He's the one guy who's going to have to change. With what I said earlier, Tate, about him being a guy who could be like a switchable piece on defense, a a screen and roller in the NBA. Kyle and I on the Ringers NBA draft show this year talked about him out of dribble handoffs with his evolved playmaking ability where, hey, maybe he could be the type of guy who has some shooters revolving around him and he's rolling hard to the basket out of those. You know, he's faking on handoffs, attacking in a straight line. He's like he could take on a, a brand new shape. 
Do you see those qualities in him based off of his years in college? Yeah, I think he'd be great DHOs. I think he'd be great in general, just being a passer playmaker. You don't want to put the scoring responsibility on him because I'll be honest with you. If you get to the playoffs, the scouting report is pretty easy. He's going left. And the only player barely shot a jump shot in his life. Right. And the whole thing with him going back to college was every single offseason, very similar to like Ben Simmons. You would see these videos of Trace Jackson Davis putting up threes. He's like expanding (laughs) my game. Mike Woodson's never does it. Never. (laughs) The season starts and he's doing the exact same thing as before, which, look, it's really good. Like you said, great out of the post. He can score out of the post. I think those are things that are commendable, things that he will be able to translate to the NBA. But in general, I think he's going to have to be able to go right. I think he's going to have to work on his right hand. I think he's going to have to work on his jump shot. Um, But the the ability to switch and and to be a um, a switchable big in general is going to add value for him. I just I have some concerns about the uh, the ability to score at that next level. Zion's the only guy I know that we know he's going left and he Sabonis. can still score. Maybe it's Sabonis, Sabonis, Sabonis. but we saw the limitations yeah. in the playoffs yes. sometimes, right? Yep. So For yeah. sure, yeah. it can be hard to evolve and grow. You know, like I'm going to quit Twitter. I swear I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit. You know, one of these days. <laughs> so I just say, like, you know, I, I you try not to. You're going to have to figure out ways for him to stay on the floor, him as like as a non-jump shooter. But I think, you know, gigantic, gigantic hands, Trace Jackson Davis. I love uh, where, where did you Where do you have him in your mock, KOC, Trace I, Jackson? I have him late first, I believe, I think on my 30th. big board. Yes. Oh, right. yeah. I was going to say. mock draft, he's like 30, I think, to the Clippers I currently have him. Yeah, I was going to say Portland, Cleveland, Golden State, Miami, teams mm. that run a lot of sort of decentralized, like DHO, ball movement, like guys moving off ball. Uh, I could see him working in that in that kind of a system. Playing behind Bam would be great. I think that like a situation like that, or even like behind a Sabonis, where he has a, a guy who is the guy in Sacramento, front of him. something yeah. like that. Yeah, he's kind of fun. a non-shooting John Collins. Like mm-hmm. he's kind of he's that that type of body type. That's mm-hmm. that's what we're looking at. Uh, it's going to be a very interesting year to see which of these players end up panning out early on in the NBA. There's always somebody random too. These young guys can pan out as well, which is why Casey Walls deserves to be on there. Kyle Tate, thank you for joining me. Thanks, KOC. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease. And the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side by side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.